97 South's Storytellers features conversations with professional songwriters and seeks to pull back the curtain on the art, craft, and career of songwriting. We'll bring you to those magical moments of creativity that have delivered the inspiring songs that make up the soundtrack of our lives. I'm Paul McGuire, and today I'm talking to Corblund. With nine critically acclaimed albums to his credit, three of which have achieved gold sales status, Albertan Corblund has been bringing his singular brand of storytelling that knits together cowboy poetry, rockabilly, and country to eclectic audiences in Canada, the U.S., Europe, and Australia since 1995 with his band, The Hurtin' Albertans. When I was in Edmonton in the early 90s, like Edmonton's small enough that there wasn't a fracturing of all the scenes. So there was this night at this bar called, uh, I think it was called Alternative Night, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. 91, right? Yeah, that was like right when uh, 10 is coming out, right when Smells Like Teen Spirit's coming out, all that stuff. But the metal dudes would go there. And I remember the cult revolution. Yeah, of course. And love. Yep. Like those records are, and then, and then I was a big cult fan, but I, Me too. as a rocker, I discovered them through electric. Yep. And then went backwards and really liked the other stuff too. But apparently they they cut electric jangly and alternative like like love and revolution are. Okay. And then Rick Rubin heard it and said, No, 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 no. And then they went back and did it like A C D C style, which okay. is the electric album that we know, right? That's which mind is, blowing. Which is awesome. But apparently they've released well they not apparently, they have released the jangly uh, um, yeah. love style yeah. production of Electric. And it's really cool to hear the contrast. And it speaks to the way that production can totally change the songs, right? Like you can make a record 10 different ways. That blows my mind that Rick Rubin heard that and, and was like, uh, no, wait. Yeah. We're going to totally put a different filter on this. Yeah, which is... That's crazy. It, it really speaks to the role of the producer and the importance of production. It really does. To me, like when, most of the time when I write my tunes, it's like I sit around with acoustic and I write them and then I show the band or the producer or both. And it's like they can go, the process from, you know, a germ sitting on the couch with a guitar to finish band yeah. track on the record, is, there's a lot of steps. And one of the biggest steps that's hard to keep your arms around is when the band gets a hold of it. Because it's like, it could go many different ways. And sometimes it's a super happy accident. And it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. It's, awesome. it's a multiverse. There's a mu all of a sudden, every yeah. single suggestion the guitar player makes or the drummer, the beat, the tempo. Mm -hmm. When we speed it up, what about the key? Oh my God. Let's make, it more, let's, make it, let's make it more of a reggae feel. There's or 70 million different versions of one song. That's right. And that's a big, I mean, that's not technically songwriting, but it kind of is too. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's weird because... Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken a song and gone, you know what we need to do? We need to speed it up like 30%. And you're like, oh my God, that's the pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Well, I don't know about that specific thing, but I take your point. Yeah. yeah. I've radical changes, yeah. Like there's a couple tunes that I recorded with my metal band, The Smalls, the, yep. that I recorded again with my Western band. And like, there's one that that we made it, it was kind of an Iron Maiden feel. It's called My, My Saddle Horses Died. Big drums. And it, drums and... Dun, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I did it... My of, Saddle Horses Died? Yeah. Okay. And then when we did it with my country band, it's, we did it kind of like a Latin feel. And it's totally different, but it's interesting to see Like a how, swing beat or something? Or? No, like more of like a... Um, <laughs> Yeah. like a Cuban-y kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. I'm, like not, I'm not well versed in the yep. differentiating Latin beats but yep. but it's like kind of that that style and it's like yeah you can totally 
do that. In fact, my current record's called Songs My Friends Wrote. And it's like, that's what it is. It's all me covering my friend's stuff. Yeah. And in some cases, we've changed it quite, the, some of the songs quite a lot. I guess, the most, I guess the most obvious way that most music consumers could relate to this is like when somebody does a cover of a really, really popular song and they change it completely. Yeah. You know, it like, gives you like, an idea of it how gives it, you an idea of how many different ways those lyrics and that melody can mm -hmm. be, you know, trans, transported. That's right, yeah. and it's interesting. It, it kind of varies. What would you call it? The uh, accepted roles of production have yeah. di they have different implications in different styles of music because, like, in songwritery kind of music, quote unquote, like whether it's Sinatra tunes or country tunes, where there's the song and you can play it on acoustic, or you can play it on a piano, or you can play it swing, or you can play it jazz, or you can yeah. play it Latin, but then like you take a Led Zeppelin record and, and the production is more an integral part. Like, like Whole lot of Love wouldn't really be Whole lot of Love without the crazy guitar parts, right? That's right. Whereas in some genres, it's the melody and the lyrics and then you could do all kinds of different guitar things on it. It would still be the song. But in, in some genres, like when it's dependent on the personalities playing the instruments more as opposed to just like studio guys, yeah. like, you know, it wouldn't be Whole lot of Love or Black Dog without... Page doing the guitar he does, and yeah. that, it's more integral. That bottom doing what it, what he's yeah exactly right. And, yeah, and there's a spectrum like you know on, on the one side of the spectrum. That's a great point, man. In country, the personality, the personality, and it affects how you respond to it, how you're listening it does, to it. Yeah. If you know who's giving it to you, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in some genres, it seems like it's more common for it to be all about like in country or for example it's more common for it to be about all about the singer they hire guys come in they back them up and, and that's well yeah but even in pop music now like if drake releases a song um his entire back catalog affects and infects how you respond to it it's automatically going to get played on pop radio and hip-hop radio mm -hmm. because of what it comes with if it was introduced by itself like if it didn't have the legacy before that it would be much more different judicial process yeah, listening it, to that thing, then it, okay, this is the new Drake song. That's true. It doesn't exist in the vacuum, right? Doesn't exist in the vacuum. Okay, so as a songwriter, when was the last time you had a message that you needed to get out? Something that you like, I need, I'm, this is going to be a song and this is what I want to tell people. Well. Or have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big hit people over the head with no, political not. messages kind no. of guy. No, no, but, that's not what I meant. Not necessarily, but you know, a love story, a, okay. an emotion, a, a thought. Well, it's, as it happens, the, the most recent thing that I've done in that vein is I, I recorded a song years ago called This Is My Prairie. And it kind of like came to life because I've been pretty active in, in Alberta trying to slow down a bunch of wrong-headed coal mining yep. stuff that's happening. Yep. And it's, it's really going to ruin the Rockies as we know them. They've opened up huge, huge tracts of land in the foothills of the Rockies. But um, yeah, so I, re, I, re, I, I dusted that song off because it's about that exact thing. And I got a bunch of people to sing it with me, like uh, Paul sang on it and Terry sang on it. Paul Brandt, Terry Clark. Yeah, and uh, Brett Kissel sang on it yep. and a bunch of friends of mine sang on it. And it became sort of a, you know... So this is a, a, an example of a message you wanted to get out. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of rare for me in terms yeah. of, you know, I, I've always stayed out of politics. and Your I, Bob I've, Dylan protest moment. Yeah, and it's in, I mean, it was in my backyard and I, I spent about a month, like, and the people that brought it to my attention were some generational ranchers that were friends of the family and they were going to lose their place that they've had for a hundred and some years. And so, yeah, it was just in my backyard and it was very close to home. Yeah. Anyway, that song, that song is the most recent example of, of me actually trying to say something in a tune. Right. And you know, you're an artist, go do it. Yeah. Like express what you're feeling. That's yeah. great. But um, before that, what about 
like, I got to get this out. It's a song about love. I'm feeling this thing. I'm going to put this together. Is that for you, uh, the gene in you that is a storyteller and a songwriter and has that need and capability to express a, an emotion in song form? Is that where it comes from? I'm going to, oh, you know what? I'm kind of feeling this. I'm going to write that down. I got some notes. I got a journal over there. I got a, some notes on my phone. Is, that, is it as simple as that? Kind of. Yeah. It's, it's a desire to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. It's a desire to communicate ideas to people. And it's like, uh, I don't spend a lot of my time on love songs. I occasionally write love songs if they, if they cross my radar. But I just feel like you, you can't be in romantic crisis all the time. You cannot. And as an adult man, I'm like, I've been in a relationship I've with, for 20 years, for over 20 years with my, my married for over 14. I got two kids. I don't need to hear love songs anymore. I want to yeah, hear I, some wisdom. I find it annoying <laughs> when, like, I feel like some people who write, that's their default setting. It's yeah. like, okay, well, let's write a tune. Well, it's got to be a love song. Why? I, so I write about a lot of other stuff, yeah. as you know. Yeah. But, but like... Uh, even with that stuff, whether I'm writing about Ola Riggers or cowboy stuff or military history or drinking or whatever, I feel like I'm always just looking for uh, unique ways to, to say things and express ideas. They're things you think about. Yeah. And some of it's just wordplay, to be honest, like like a catchy phrase. Yeah. Like that stuff. You're like, Dr. Seussing it, man. A little. Yeah. But then it's tricky because that's just like, that's the easy part because... Is it the easy part, the wordplay? No, what I mean is the initial germ is the easy oh, part okay, because right. I don't sit down and those just float through my brain day or night and I just write them down. Where do you write them down? Well, it used to be notebooks, but now you just put it in your phone, in your phone, phone okay. have a file yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, um, like everyone has had a, what they feel is a good idea for a movie or a novel or a song, and, you know, everyone. And the difference between songwriters or writers or playwrights is that they actually compile a lot of stuff and pursue it, right? They follow but, through. But I think all humans have creative impulses all the time, right? It's just follow it through and not only follow the idea through, but discipline yourself to write down all your ideas because the way it usually works is about one out of 50 is a good one. Is that your ratio? It's got to well, be a little I, bit better than Mine's that. refined now. Yeah. Okay. But when you start out, like, yeah. okay, it's fine to say to Paul, I got an idea for a TV show, but think, think of 50 TV shows and maybe you'll start to get a couple yeah. of good ideas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the... But the actual, like, because no one really knows where anything comes from. Like, it's a mystery, right? Like, it's a gift. Like, like the perspiration part where you put it all together, yeah. that, that's work. And yeah. that's, that's a learned skill, and it takes some work. But $5 bill, that just came into my head one day, and it became a popular song for me. But I, have, I can't tell you where that came from. It's the best. Isn't that the greatest thing? The idea that this thing didn't exist before, and no, like this thing now exists that has made people happy and has earned you money and allowed you to put a roof over your head, all of that stuff from a thing that didn't exist before. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's neat knowing that I've built a career out of just ideas mostly. Yeah. But so the easy part is having those things float through your radar and grabbing them and writing them down. And then, and then the hard part is, is compiling that stuff all into a song because it's easy to write something with, with meaning that maybe isn't that catchy. It's also not that hard to write something catchy that doesn't have meaning, but to have something that has deep meaning and is entertainingly catchy, that's hard. Is there a list like of, of checks that you do before you're, this is a Corblun song? It has to have this, it has to have this, it has no, to have this? No, it just has to turn my crank. Yeah, okay. All right. So yeah. it could be fun and, and frivolous and it's still going out there. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. If it turns your crank. Yeah. 
people have their filters at different positions in the in the process depending on who they are because like i call the neil young process where you just record everything and put it out into the public and the public decides what's good right okay like he's one of my favorite songwriters but he's he puts out a lot of stuff and some some hits some misses right but he leaves it to the audience to determine that whereas my approach is much more i have a number of internal filters so that stuff gets cold way before it ever hits the album yeah so yeah not to say that all my stuff is works for me in the end but but i i tend to have a pretty high no but you, you there's a stamp of approval on kind of it. yeah it's a tough thing to do right to be able to give somebody advice on songwriting you can like hey do this work a lot play a lot of guitar have have it around um write stuff down i know that often writers if, if people want to be screenwriters or novelists or whatever even if you don't have an idea don't you, take your masters in creative writing right right <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it just keep, keep writing and writing and writing. There's no like, you can't teach somebody to be the next core blunt, but you can, I suppose, be an advocate for authenticity. You could be that. That's right. Right. That's exactly right. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, you, well, I mean, you can do that. Like you can you can ape someone. People do it all the time. But yeah. it, there's no reason to do that really, except for money maybe. But like, yeah. I mean, when when people ask me if I have songwriting advice, I just the only advice I have is just. Do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And when the doors aren't opening, do it some more. Yeah. And do it some more and get better at it. Yeah. And also don't be afraid to go off on a tangent. Yeah. Like I my career's been I've been fortunate that I've been able to have a career where like I haven't people people say, you know, have you ever had a producer say do it more like this? And the answer is no. Like I never I haven't there's no, oh, there's another Corblund. I've never heard that either. And I'm like, oh, there's Corblund <laughs> marching down that famous path of all the other Corblunds that came before him. No, you did, man. You got, a, you got your thing. But I, I mean, I've been able to, I feel lucky that I've been able to make a living. I swear to God, it might be like Bob Dylan. I, I, and I'm not trying to be like, uh, like ridiculous right now and saying, but he, I think he marched to the beat of his own drummer, right? Like, and you've done that same thing. You've been authentic to you and your stories. You just said, whether I'm writing songs about uh, drinking or the military or the, the list of, of the stuff that you've had is pretty unique. D- very dude oriented. Okay, fine. But you're a dude. Yeah. So what are you going to be somebody else? Yeah, that's true. No. no, 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 no. It's amazing. No, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I'm not going to compare myself to Dylan, but in terms of the approach, I think it's similar. Just yeah. in a focus. He, he kind of kept his head down, wasn't really worried about, hey, you know, I need to, the, the chorus needs to come in at 29 seconds or whatever. Yeah, that's stupid. Well, but there's a whole I know, industry built around it's the 29 stupid. second chorus. It's of course, stupid. It is. Yeah. Well, it's not stupid. It's different goals. It's art versus commerce. Yeah. Is what it is. But it's like I think I think all serious artists do do that. Like I, I don't. It's not just me or it's not just Bob Dylan or whatever. It's like any any serious artist does their own thing. Because if you don't, you're not a serious artist, in my opinion. That's just uh, you're, you might be a tradesman, a journeyman. Hundred percent. You might be an extremely wealthy and successful tradesman, journeyman, but you're not being an artist. Um, let's go back to early, early, early Corblund. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. I don't think I have. The first time that you realized that you could take some of your thoughts, turn it into some poetry, and convey a, a meaning. When did you write your first song? How did you? Well, in, it was in the smalls, like in the rock yeah. band. Yeah. So um, I guess. It... So it was a bit more interpretive, not so literal. Well, my songs, like Mike, the singer from the Smalls, I grew up with him, and, and his, his, he probably wrote 85, 80, 85% of the lyrics in the Smalls. Oh, he did? Okay. And most of his stuff was more of a poetic sort of like word painting. Yep. 
more obscure, which is quite common in rock music. Yep. My stuff, you can kind of pick mine out because mine are like often Western story songs like grafted into a metal. Like what? Give me an example. Uh, Wasted Tragedies one and, and uh, Pity the Man with the Fast Right Hand and My Saddle Horses Died. Pity the Man with the Fast Right Hand. Gunfighter. Pulling the trigger a little. Yeah. Gunfighter Bell. happy. Love that, man. <laughs> but just the fact that your, your lifestyle informed your art, which is... Yeah, obvious. That, of course, it's going to. Yeah. But you managed to to um, turn it into poetry. I'm pretty handy with a pistol. I think people crave authenticity, right? Whatever, you, whatever your yeah. authenticity. Is. Yeah. Like, like Beck, you know, made a career out of writing about the suburban hell he grew up in, right? And it's awesome because he's being that's what he yeah. is, right? And same, you know, I, I always tell people. I probably told you this before, but like when I first heard Springsteen, it's like I like growing up in the slums of New Jersey is completely alien to me, but because he was such a good writer and was authentic about it, I, I get it, even though I don't get it. And you must have been so floored a bunch of times when you write something so specific to your life that's like, like with actual details about things that happen to you that end up being embraced by people who are like, you know, from a city or from like, who, you know, these, yeah. these really personal things end up becoming ubiquitous. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And there's a, there's a level of... Um, like, at best, the tunes have, like, uh, layers to them. So, like, ideally, like, a song has a general enough meaning that you kind of get it. Yeah. You, but, yeah. But then it also like has... Universality or whatever, yeah. But ideally, I like to have really specific stuff in there, like inside baseball stuff, so that people who know about that topic know that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Because that creates a real loyalty in your fan base. Oh, this is, this is dude, th- honestly, without intentionally doing it you're giving it's a bit of a master class in songwriting right now you're, you're talking about like you you have to put some of yourself in there you gotta write authentically joel stewart our friend who directed a bunch of your videos he always used to say authenticity is the key and if you can fake that you've got it made yeah <laughs> well i mean that's there's a there's a craft involved because like yeah. when i write cowboy stuff i don't really need to do much research because i grew up with it yep but you know i I've written a lot of military history songs and I don't have any of that in my background. I just, you know, I have respect for those guys and I, I do my homework and make sure that it's Watch accurate. a few documentaries, read a few well, books. I talk to a lot of people yeah. first, like primary source stuff. Yeah. But, it, but it's like, you can do that as long as you respect the, the subject matter enough to actually know what you're talking about. Like, you know, every novelist, like everyone's first novel is about themselves, I think, more or less. Right. But then your seventh one is probably not. Yeah, So it's, it's up to you to, like... One of my pet peeves is when people put stuff in songs and they just, and there's no excuse now because there's Google, right? Like there's no excuse for putting in a, a, a misreferenced, like that happens a lot with firearm references, honestly. I've heard so many songs, actually some of the rap songs too, but country songs where they throw in a, a firearm reference and it's just clearly not correct. And anyone who, it just makes you look stupid because anyone who knows that world is like, this guy doesn't be talking Quick fact about. check. Do you have some fact checkers? Yeah, yeah right know. and it's like yeah. i i know you get it's a work ethic thing you do the work lazy like, yeah i think are you still do you still love is there a moment when you're like writing a song where you're like yeah got it nailed it yeah got it really still yeah. mm-hmm. there's a high that you still get from it yeah i jump up and down seriously yeah i love that man <laughs> i love hearing that yeah it's it's interesting because like after i don't know nine or ten or twelve records you sort of have to like i'm always trying to find a new angle because yeah. I think, I think honestly, you know how that happens where I remember when I was younger, you'd be into rock bands and they'd be awesome. And then at a certain point, they just started to suck and yeah. no one could pinpoint. And they, and they didn't know. You could tell they thought they were still awesome, but everyone yeah. else knew they weren't. 
And, and it's like, I think that comes from thinking you know how to write songs. Because I think true artists never really, you're, it's always a learning So thing. you're always a little surprised when you complete one, when it's done? There's Not surprised, but, but, but like... Grateful, um, whatever, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I still feel like, like every time I go to write music, it's still, it's a psychological hellscape. Is it? Oh, yeah. It's, it's stressful? It's hard, yeah. And I think if you don't, I think that's part of it. I think that's got to be a part of it, Corb. But, but the idea that you could go in and not be, not have an elevated heart rate at any moment would be an indicator that maybe you're coasting. I mean, sometimes stuff just comes, but... Sure. Usually there's a lot of divine inspiration, whatever. And it's like the whole thing about, you know, questioning whether this is any good or, or have I done this before? Or should I be doing it a different way? All, all that stuff is part of the acid bath that, you know, wears away all, all the plume talks about how, Mike plume. My friend yep. talks about how really good melodies are like rocks that have been in a Creek for a long time and all the, all the, edges are smoothed it's off them. It's a great, great metaphor, yeah. So there's that. It's yeah. like, it, and that takes time and effort and sweat and self-doubt and self-examination. And I, I think that as soon as you think, no, I got, I got this playwriting thing figured out, or I, got, I know how to write TV shows, or I know how to paint a picture, then all of a sudden, I think that's what happens with those bands that start to suck. They start to think about other stuff, and oh, I got the, I got the writing part, I figured that out, because you really don't ever. Because it, like you just said, have I done this before? Have, has Corblund ever been... Yeah, I'm not asking you to third person this thing or anything, but have you ever been down that road where you were like nervous that I've done this before? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. But you can always, like, likewise, there's, I'm sure most honest songwriters have, have realized that they've stolen something. But what I, what I mean is like really still, like not like really, oh. really ripped something <laughs> off hard. Because it's okay. all we... A chord progression. I took it directly from there. We were talking about the word granular earlier, yeah. but it's like, it kind of depends on, because yeah, we all stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. We're all stealing all the time, but it's how, it's like, you know, you can tell with young artists, because hey, hey, he kind of sings like Waylon, and his kind of songwriting style is kind of like Waylon, and his band kind of sounds like Waylon. The trick is, you take a little Waylon, you take a little Bob Marley, right. you take a little Jimmy Page, and you mix it all in at, at such a granular level that people can't put their finger on it. That's right, because if you're just the new Waylon, because you know that there's a whole generation of people out there who've never listened to Waylon, and you're just biting Waylon, then that's... It's just, it's just kind of like... Now, now you're a cover act. I mean, my, some of my really early stuff sounds pretty, pretty Christopherson-y, because okay. I was like 25, and I love Christopherson. But as you mature and get your own voice, like, yeah. there's a little of this, a little of that, yeah. and then people can't put their finger on it. And that's, that's how it works. That's the juice. But what I was going to say a minute ago is like, occasionally, even now, I'll write something, and, and then someone will point out, Grant, usually, <laughs> my guitar plays yeah. his job, so like, oh, you just ripped off Hayes there. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good. I want to hear that. Hey, Carl, yeah. Because the thing is, you can easily just change it. Like, you can just bend the melody or change. change. And will you accidentally, like, Hayes Carl's a buddy of yours, will you accidentally, like, like rip him off? You'd be like, oh, because it stuck with you. You he heard him play it live. He ripped me off, I think. He's ripped you off. Of <laughs> no, course he has. I'm he would just, admit that if he was here. I was just kidding. But just something in his mind, in, in, in a song that you heard of his, that stuck in your head, because you're, you're like, I love that. Yeah. And that, boom. There's one tune that Grant pointed out, and I was like, oh, you're right, actually. So you just twist the melody a little bit. And yeah. It's all good. Here's a good one that I think I've talked to Joel about this, but you know my song, I Want to Be in the Cavalry? Yep. So the worst thing ever happened, and that was I totally ripped that melody off and didn't realize it until after the record was out because it's, it's exactly the melody from Stan Rogers, The Idiot. What happened was I, I was recording it, and, and no, no one in my band really knows Stan Rogers' music. 
I felt like I maybe borrowed it from something. I, I thought maybe Steve Earle for some reason. But I went right. through and I was like, no, no. And then I asked my producer, who's American, so he didn't know Stan Rogers either. Right. So I asked everybody, and like, no, I don't know. And then, and then this, like, within two days of releasing the record, I got like five emails. Dude, you just ripped off the idiot. And I did. Come on. It's exactly the melody. So what I did was I called up his estate and actually cut him in on the songwriting posthumously. But the good thing about it is it's, it's a very Irish Celtic melody. Yeah. And I don't want to diminish uh, Stan's work, but a lot of those melodies go way, very, way yes, back. So yes. I don't feel too bad about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I owned it. I mean, like, what? I, I didn't pretend that I didn't do it. As soon as you I was, called his estate and you cut him in on it? Yeah. I was mortified. That's, that's a big deal for me. What do you think it is about the artist in you, the songwriter in you? And maybe you know this from touring and from being at festivals and from being at award shows and just people who are, you find to be kindred spirits that need to keep doing this because there comes a point. Neil Young's an example. The guy kept writing and kept writing and kept writing and kept writing, keeps writing, right? Like this is not something that um, he's doing to pay the bills because he doesn't need to do that anymore. This is something that he is compelled to do. Are you compelled to yeah, write? Yeah, I think so, yeah. You are. Like it's, it's, I'm a compulsive communicator. Okay. And that's the, that's the best way for me to communicate stuff, I think. Yeah. And, if, and honestly, like- You're not a bad, talk. I've talked to you plenty of times when you're not singing, you're a good communicator. Fair, but it's not, it's not, doesn't feel as the same. Okay. Like, like for me, it's interesting because like, I've never really had a strong desire to make records. Like I, it's fun and it's interesting and it's part of the process and it's cool. But the whole reason that I started to play music was, was because the, the magic that happens at a live show yeah. is like, and it can be Willie Nelson or it can be SNFU or it can be Metallica or it could be whoever, but like you, or BB King. You but can, this, this recorded example of your music that's out there and in somebody's car or like streaming or whatever, that's, that's not, you're like, whatever, that's happens. That, that's part of the business that I'm in. But my thing is coming up with a thing and then creating, uh, connecting with people live. Yeah. And I do my best to make good records and it's an important part of it. But to me, like, you know, my management might disagree or the record labels might disagree. For me personally, yeah. they're only a vehicle to get people to shows. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and a lot of your recordings have been live recordings off the floor with your band. So you're trying to capture the thing that you do live, live. Yeah, the, the further I go with this, the more, the more raw I like it to be. Because now, like, my tastes are, my, my kinks are so far. Like, I, I, the stuff I like now is when you hear, you know, Johnny Cash's bass player play a wrong note, or you, you hear Dylan start a verse over, or yes. I love that stuff. I love that stuff too. And it's like I love it, the, some of the tinniness of the early Zeppelin recordings and stuff. Yeah, right? I love that toilet bowl tone. Love it. And and it's like, it's a funny thing because I really appreciate that in other artists more and more. And it's it's tricky because when it's you in the studio, you want to fix everything. It's like yeah. I have to constantly remind myself, no, it's okay to leave it a little rough. But as we as we progress. Like every record we make gets more and more raw, kind of. Oh my God. I would, I would much rather listen to a new artist, somebody I've never heard before, if they were, the pitch was a little bit off, instrumentation was a little whatever, but I know I'm getting that person. I know now I'm getting that person. Because if I'm going to invest time or anything in like digesting something, an art that somebody's putting out there, and I see that they wrote the song themselves, their debut single, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting to know you. Yeah, yeah, it's just a different trip. Yeah. Different goal is what it is. Yeah. It's a goal thing, like art versus commerce. Yeah, and there's an intersect, obviously, you wanna be able to pay your bills, but. Well, you know what's really cool is when the, every once in a while lightning strikes and the music industry 
despite all their best efforts, actually promote somebody really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Stapleton or the White Stripes. Yeah. Or, you know, every once yeah. in a while, and you're like, oh my God, the good guys won. Yeah. Great. If somebody were to come to you and say, what is your advice for somebody who wants to make it as an artist in the music business? Well, like I said before, it depends on what your goals are. Yeah. If you want to be an artist, it's different than if you want to be famous and be on TV. Yeah. Right? Okay. Fair so, enough. But, but like, I mean, I want to, people do ask me that question. Like, I have a lot of cousins that like, and friends of the family who like, yeah, my, my daughter, like, you know, she wants to sing and wants to know advice. And I'm like, well, spend 10 years in a van, first of all. Dear God Almighty. You know, it's like, I mean, some people get luckier than me, but like, it's just- I remember I, you were already famous, famous, quote unquote famous. You were already being played a lot on TV in the US and Canada on your videos. And you were outside our studios at CMT in your little van that you guys were traveling around in. It was not glamorous. Show business is not always glamorous. Yeah, it's weird. Cause I mean, I've done this long enough. I know how the economics of it work. Yeah. And I see young bands in like buses and all this gear and eight person crew. And it's like, you're, you're not, you know, yeah. whatever. But like, I know you're paying for it. That's right. So it's gonna make sense. And I mean, I think sometimes there's maybe sponsorship involved. Maybe okay. Budweiser's paying for the bus or something, which sure. is fine. But like, you know, I, I, I see these bands, like I know how the numbers work and this is not adding up. So, I, you know, either there's a sponsorship or like a labels, pouring money on them but you know when, the, when it's the label you're actually paying for it yeah that's one thing that kids don't understand is all the stuff in the backstage you're paying for that stuff when's the last time that you like went woohoo over like a, a something that you just wrote when's the last time you got like super stoked about something uh a few days ago just really yeah sometimes like, like, it's just a line or something yeah right? like almost like a like, let's go like one of those things yeah yeah it charges yeah. you still huh yeah yeah for sure and then i can't excite i get excited to, to get it finished so I can play it for people. In fact, sometimes I, I usually have like an acoustic part of my set where I play two or three acoustic songs yeah, yeah. by myself. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll play half a new song for people <laughs> yeah. just to test market it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've got a, it, it's interesting because usually this is a good thing because I'm always looking for different approaches. But because of COVID, I spent, I spent COVID working really hard on my guitar playing because I've had some, some like biomechanical problems yep. and so i i took some lessons with a ergonomic guitar player guy and anyway really? yeah wow. just better bi biomechanics cool. like you know people work on the golf swing amazing right? yeah so yeah but anyway I, i've been playing a ton of guitar and so normally what happens is i like come up with the melody and the song and i have a strumming pattern that's pretty basic and then we add more complex music parts to it but in this case i've got a mountain of like riffy stuff so I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing a bunch of stuff backwards where I start with the riffs and then because I was that's actually yeah. more that's actually more the approach that my old rock band would take. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting because I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bunch of recordings and then write to that, which yeah. is the opposite of my usual approach. So, it's and I, I think it's important to change the format up because otherwise you just start repeating yourself. Your career is. Um, your career is enviable, and I, I think it's tough when people ask you, like you said, you have cousins and stuff like that, to ask you for advice. You've done the, the thing your own way. That's, that's what I tell them. Yeah. I say it depends what you want. Like if you, because the whole other thing is a lottery, right? Yeah. And like you've seen it, like people come and they go, and they got two years, and then they're gone because they don't have another hit. And yeah, I I, I just that's you so. You also tell them it helps to be six foot three and super handsome. <laughs> like Bill Joel tells them that for me. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks. A great chat, man. Thanks for listening. This has been Storytellers. Join me, Paul McGuire, live this summer with Kim Mitchell, 
Glass Tigers' Alan Frew, 5440's Neil Osborne, and many others for an experience you'll remember always. The 97 South Song Sessions Songwriters Festival is happening this July, the 21st to the 23rd, in Penticton, British Columbia's incomparable wine country. An intimate, bluebird-style music performance that features songwriters in the round, playing their hits and relating stories of a life in music. Tickets and information at 97southsongsessions.com. Download the free Stingray Music mobile app and listen to the 97 South Song Sessions channel today. Stingray Music. Life's on you. Music's on us.